We have to fight for it, church. Nothing just comes by itself. We have to fight for it. You know, God gave a promised land to Israel, but they had to go in. They had to fight for it. God's given us great and precious promises that the devil does not want us to see reality in reality in our life. So we have to fight for it. So we are talking about fighting for it in a spiritual sense. Um, and the scripture text that we're looking at every week in this series is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. So let's just start out by reading through this together and get it in our minds. Think about it. Think about what this means to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, not if, when, it's going to come. For each of us, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of fire, all the arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. These are spiritual things. They're not natural things. They're spiritual. So we're going to look over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at each of these items of armor and talk about what that means for us. How do we put that particular piece of armor on? Today we're looking at the first one, the belt of truth. We're supposed to have it buckled around our waist. The belt of truth. So what is truth? Some people say that truth is relevant. You know, what's true for you is not true for me. Or it's true over here, but it's not true over there. So I, wanna, I just want to start out this morning by sharing three basic truths about truth so that we can understand this, so that we can get the belt on. Here's the first thing about it. Truth is absolute. It always works every time for everyone, any place. It's like gravity. Does gravity work for some people and not work for others? Uh-uh, it doesn't make any difference if you believe in it or not. You fall out of a tree, you're going to hurt because it's an absolute. Truths are absolutes. They always work. So it's an absolute. John fourteen six says this to us, and we need to believe this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Listen to this. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can go to church. You can proclaim that you're a Christian. 
You can believe that Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for your sin. You can believe that. It's an absolute, but he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, you have to believe in Jesus. There's no other way. There's no back door. There's no window to crawl through. There's no other way to get there. Jesus is the way. He's the Son of God. God gave His Son so that we could get connected to the Father. It's an absolute. Now here's the second truth. Second truth about truth. Truth can be known. You can know the truth. There was a time when I thought, well, this truth about God, I don't think anybody can really know that. I had to have an encounter with God myself. I had to get knocked flat on my hiney to realize God's real. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 says, In the past... God spoke through the prophets to our ancestors in many times and many ways. In these final days, though, he spoke to us through a son. And his son's name was, tell me, Jesus. Jesus. He's the son of God. We can also become sons of God, but Jesus was the first one. He's the only son, natural born son of God. The rest of us, we get adopted into the family. Jesus was the only son of God. Truth can be known. You see, God is a spirit, so we can't see him. So we have a hard time understanding what we cannot see and figure out. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this earth to live, his, to live on this earth And model what the Father is like. So if you want to know what God the Father you can't see is like, you look at His Son, Jesus Christ. And you can read about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very clear picture of what God would do if He were a human being. Truth can be known. And here's the third truth about truth. Truth hurts, but it also helps. The truth hurts. I may have heard that statement before. It's true. When you discover the truth, it hurts. When you realize the way you've lived your life and the way God wants you to live your life, that hurts. But it also helps. John eight thirty two. Jesus said, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Once you discover the truth about God, it's an eye-opening experience. It fills us with shame and guilt because of the way we've lived our lives compared to to Jesus Christ and how he wants us to live our lives. But it helps us because the truth will set you free when you finally discover it. So, we learn this. Jesus is the truth. And if Jesus is the truth, then Satan is the counterfeit. A counterfeit of the truth is not the truth. Because anything that's not the truth is a lie. Right? We understand this concept. This is important, basic stuff we need to grab a hold of if we're going to be successful in putting on the armor of God and defending ourselves against what the enemy wants to say to us. Jesus said in John 8, 44, this is the way he describes the counterfeit. Your father is the devil. You are his children, and you want to do what your father wants. He was a murderer from the beginning. 
He has never stood for the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever that liar speaks, he speaks according to his own nature because he's a liar and the father of liars. He's always speaking an untruth, although sometimes it sounds reasonable for us human beings. It's always a lie. He can't speak the truth. He's always the deceiver. We have to remember that about Satan. And then the other scripture I want to share about Satan being the counterfeit is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul says, The God who rules this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They cannot see the light, which is the good news about our glorious Christ who shows what God is like. Jesus shows us what God is like. Now look at that scripture. The God who rules this world, that's Satan. It's, this world is too much of a mess for Jehovah to be the God of this world. He doesn't do things like this. That's Satan. The God who rules this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Doesn't say he's blinded the minds of non-Christians. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers, people that will not believe the promises of God. He's blinded them. I lived several years of my life as an adult blinded. I could not see the truth. I could not see what God was saying. It was like I was blinded to the truth. And then the Lord stepped into my life. The light shined bright and I understood the truth. And I was ashamed of the way I had lived my life. So I turned things around. That's what Christians do. We're not a bunch of perfect people who have never made mistakes. We're a bunch of perfect people that saw the light, turned our lives around. So he's blinded the minds of unbelievers. So you can be a Christian and believe the promise that Jesus died on the cross for you, but be an unbeliever when it comes to what God wants of you. So we're unbelievers, unbelieving Christians. Seems like a contradiction of terms, but you know I'm telling the truth because we all struggle with this. So a lie is anything that's not the truth. What I want to do this morning is illustrate for you, like Paul did with the armor of God, I want to illustrate for you what this first item of armor is, the belt of truth. This is... And M1956 LCE. LCE means load carrying equipment. So a soldier's issued one of these, as I was, put it on, and it's got this two rows of holes, reinforced holes around it, where a metal clip attached to a piece of equipment a soldier would need is attached to it. Over here I attached my canteen. Over here I attached my bayonet sheath. Then in the front I had ammo pouches where magazine clips with live rounds could be placed in and I carry them with me so I could have them anytime I needed. Officers would have a, a, a holster over here with a sidearm that's why we call this a pistol belt. But really it's a LCE. 
load-carrying equipment. I could put a first aid kit on it. I could put uh, attach a pouch with some food in it. Uh, if I needed to, to eat something, I could, behind the belt, I could tuck in a poncho uh, if, it, if it rained. Everything I would need as a soldier is attached to my LCE belt, load-carrying equipment belt. The other branches of the military, besides the Army, they also have these. They don't always need them. But the purpose is to have this. Now, to get this to fit me this morning, I had to make some adjustments. <laughs> because somehow, some way, a mystery happened. Over 55 years, this canvas belt shrunk <laughs> and got stiff. So to work that thing around to, to extend it and adjust it was a job because it stiffens up. Now, the purpose of this for a soldier is to have every weapon or every resource you need attached to your belt any time so you'd have it. It's putting on, the, it's a tool belt for the soldier. Yeah. Good. The belt of truth is a tool belt for us. We're to attach to it, just like I attached things to, to this belt for me years ago. We attach to it things that we need. It's a belt of truth. We attach things that we need to know if we're going to win the battle to our belt. Now, this is the way it's supposed to work, but we have an enemy. His name is Satan. He wants to give us half-truths, warped truths, things that sound reasonable, but they're just not truth. And he wants us to attach those things to our load-carrying equipment and carry it around with us. Because if he can get us to attach it to our belt, it becomes a part of us, becomes a part of the way we think, the way we reason, the way we live our lives. So Satan wants to give us the lie when God wants us to adopt the truth. So I want to give you some examples of the lies that Satan gives us that he wants us to attach to our truth belt. Here's the first one. God really doesn't love you. If God loved you, you wouldn't have all these problems. If he really loved you, he'd take away these problems. That's a lie. It's not true. If you're a Christian, you're going to have problems. Guaranteed. Jesus, pro- Jesus predicted it. Jesus told us that. You're going to have troubles in this world, Jesus says. So we have this idea, if God really loved me, these problems would go away. I wouldn't have these problems. But the fact of the matter is, God's your Father. And He treats you just like you treat your kids. If your kids get out of line, you got to grab them by the neck. you got to give them a kick in the seat of the pants, don't you? Because your job as a parent is to train your children to grow up and be responsible adults. So if they're not being responsible, somebody's got to correct them, discipline them, straighten them out so that they grow up to be responsible. That's what you do with your children or should do with your children. And that's what Father God does with you. So if he watches your life and he sees you need a kick in the seat of the pants, he's going to give you one because he loves you. If you're doing the wrong thing, he's going to grab you by the arm and he's going to redirect you. He's going to point you in the right direction. He's going to see to it that you do the right thing because he's your loving Heavenly Father. He loves you. 
So don't say my problems would go away. He'd have a bunch of spoiled brats. So guess what he has in the church today across America? A bunch of spoiled brats. We want our way when we want it. He's a loving Heavenly Father. He does love you enough to straighten you out. He does love us. So here's the second lie. See, Satan wants us to take that lie that God really doesn't love us and attach it to our belt of truth. So we go through life thinking God really doesn't love us. Here's the second lie he wants us to attach to our belt of truth. I can't trust God. I trusted him once and it fell apart on me. It didn't work out. God, I'm, I'm, I can't trust God. If I give God my whole life, he, or I, he might really mess me up. I don't know if I want to do that. So I can't trust God. Not completely. Not wholly. What if he doesn't come through? Then what? Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 is the truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not partway, not almost, with all your heart, and lean on your not, lean not on your own understanding. That's the trouble we get ourselves into. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, not just on church on Sunday, and He will direct your paths. He'll open doors, close the wrong doors. He'll make things possible. He'll point you in the right direction. But you have to do these other things first. It's a conditional promise. (coughs) Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct your paths. In other words, you won't like all the twists and turns He gives you. But there'll come a time in your life when you'll look back over your life and you'll see the amazing hand of God guiding you, directing you. You see it. You don't see it coming. You see it after the fact. God is an amazing God who loves you, wants to do great and amazing things in your life. So Satan wants to give us this truth to get us to attach to our belt of truth that you can't really trust God. You go to church and talk about trusting God, but you don't really trust Him. That's a lie. That'll kill you. That'll destroy what God wants to do for you. Don't attach that to your belt. Satan will whisper that to you again and again and again. You can't really trust him. Every time he wants you to do something as an act of faith, this lie comes up again. Can't really trust God. Can't really trust him. That's a lie. Don't attach that to your belt. It becomes a part of you if you do. Here's the third thing. The third lie. This is a lie, not the truth. I am a failure. We're all going to fail. Sooner or later in life, we're going to fail at something. Something we try, something we hoped would work out, doesn't. But Satan then will whisper to you and say, see, you are a failure. You are a failure. That's a lie. Don't attach that to your belt. Because if you believe you are a failure, you won't try. And guess what? You will fail. Satan wants me to think I'm a failure so I can think that way, make decisions that way, reason that way, that I am a failure. 
Therefore, I can't take steps of faith because I am a failure. That is a lie. That is not the truth. I'll tell you this story from my own personal real life experience. And a lot of you have heard this. I'm telling it to you again. I'm telling it to you because I think it's a practical lesson you can learn from. I was a troubled kid in school. I was, uh, what's the term? Uh, AC. What's the term? ADHD. That was it. I couldn't focus on anything the teacher wanted me to focus on, but I could focus real good on anything I wanted to focus on. So I was a good focuser. I just couldn't discipline myself. I pulled pranks on my teachers. I didn't know that would backfire on you because they're the ones that have the ability to give you grades. So I flunked the seventh grade. I often, I often used to say the teachers flunked me in the seventh grade. No, 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 I flunked me. In the seventh grade, I had to go back through the seventh grade again, all over again, with a bunch of kids a year younger than me. Humiliating. I did not want to do that. I was way behind, so I had to work extra hard because I did not want anybody to think I was a failure. I didn't want anybody to think I was dumb or stupid. But you see, the devil whispered that lie to me You are a failure. You're just too stupid. You can't. You don't know what everybody else knows. They, they got passed. You got held back. So I bought that lie that I wasn't as good as other people. I attached that to my belt of truth. And I lived that way, making decisions that way. Because I, was, I thought I was a failure. I believed the lie. Till the Lord touched my life. And changed me and turned me upside down. Later, I went back to school. And I earned a bachelor's degree, 3.9 grade point average. The high as you can go is 4.0. I got a 3.9. You see, God was teaching me that he'll make me the success. I might fail, but I am not a failure. I have to change the way I think. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I gave it my best shot and flunked. God stepped into my life and I win. If I'm talking to somebody here, maybe somebody somebody at home, you feel like a failure. So you dropped out. You haven't tried anymore. You decided to just stay where you are. Stop that. That's the enemy's lie. God's bigger than that. Allow him to put his arm around you and guide you and show you the way and you can be a success. You don't have to be a failure unless you accept it, unless you agree with those lies. So get that thing off your belt of truth. Quit believing that. And attach that scripture to your belt of truth. It will carry you through. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's, here's the fourth lie he wants us to attach to our belt of truth. God wants me to be happy. That's a lie of the enemy. God is not there to make you happy. You're there to make him happy. 
If I want to be happy, then I have to focus on me, focus on myself. That's selfishness. Me, 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 me. That's what my two-year-old grandkids used to say. Me do, me do, me do. And the church is full of a bunch of me do people. They come to church and they pray and all their prayers is, God, give me this, God, give me that. Nobody says, Lord, what do you want me to do? God wants me happy. What about me? It's my life. What about you? Is it your life? Think about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. As long as you think God wants you happy, you're going to go around doing things that God says not to do over and over and over again and mess everything up. That's not the way God plans it. You need to step in line with what God plans in His way. The key to happiness is the fear of the Lord. We have preached the love of Jesus over and over and over again, so people down on themselves would understand Jesus loves them. But we have preached the love of Jesus and not the fear of the Lord. Two different things. I fear the Lord. I fully expect as a child of God, He will hold me accountable. And I'm afraid to do certain things with my life because He will hold me accountable. And I've had him kick me in the seat of the pants before, and I don't like it. So I want to line up. I want to line up with what he says in his word. So I need to discover what the word says, how I should live my life. Because the key to happiness is the fear of the Lord, a healthy respect for His ability to prosper me or to curse me. Okay, okay, here's number five. Here's, here's the fifth lie that Satan wants me to attach to my belt of truth. I have to be tough. I have to be strong. I have to be perfect. That's a lie of the enemy. No, you don't. You don't have to be strong. What does the Bible say? 2 Corinthians 12.9 But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You see, I don't get any great thrill out of standing up here and telling all of you that I failed the seventh grade. Because a lot of people, if you say you failed the seventh grade, they will conclude you're stupid or you can't make it. People actually evaluate us that way, you know. You've been through a divorce, they assume you'll always be that way. You messed up here, they assume that's who you are, that's the way you are. Nobody gives, people don't, in our culture, don't give allowance for the amazing grace of God to turn around a life. You don't give allowance for that. But it happens. You don't have to be perfect. 
You don't have to be tough. You don't have to be strong. Sometimes your testimony, when you talk about your weakness, like I did about failing the seventh grade, it gives somebody else hope. So be yourself. Your weakness helps somebody else come to the faith. Quit trying to hide it. Be yourself. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and get ready. And as they're getting ready to lead us in the last song, as they're doing that, I've got two more scriptures to share. My conclusion to the matter. First, I want you to know, lies will keep coming. Fasten the truth to you. Reject the lie. Learn to know the difference by studying the Word of God. Because lies will keep coming. No matter how spiritual you get, lies will keep coming. The devil still likes to tell me how stupid I am because I made some stupid mistake. He still likes to give these lies to me, but I've learned how to reject them. So did Jesus. Jesus looked at Peter, his number one disciple, and says, Get behind me, Satan. Because Peter was trying to attach something to him that wasn't the truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off that old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds. You've been taught. Put off the old man. Stop doing that. You've been taught that. Do what you've been taught. That's what he's saying. Put off the old man. Don't let your body tell you what you're going to do. You tell your body what it's going to do. Here's the second scripture I want us to see. When we put on the belt of truth, we're just doing what Jesus did. We're just stepping into the mold that he set for us. Maybe you didn't know this. But in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 5, Isaiah is predicting what it's going to be when Messiah comes back. And he says in verse 5, Righteousness will be the belt around his hips, and faithfulness the belt around his waist. So when we put on our belt of truth, we're just being like Jesus. We're just modeling Jesus. Put the truth on. Put the truth on. The Bible is full of truth. But we've got to agree with the truth and not agree with a lie. You agree with the truth or the lie by saying amen. By saying yes, Lord. And we're just about to have an opportunity to do that because we're going to sing a song to all the promises of God are yes and amen. amen. But you say the yes. You say the amen. If you don't say yes and amen, maybe you're gullible enough to believe more of the enemy's lies, which just hurts you. doesn't help you. So let's stand together. We're going to sing this last song, and it's an opportunity for you to agree with the promises of God by saying yes and amen. <laughs>